Do not snuggle in. Find out what I mean on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello again, everyone. Dr. Johnny here, and this is Pushback. Thank you for tuning in and listening again this week. On so many previous podcasts, I've been talking about not making decisions from a place of fear. Fear is uh, so sinister and has such a plan for us uh, to really create paralysis. And so I want to talk about, on this episode, I think the most indolent, serious, and dangerous word connected with fear. It's the result of fear. And that word is complacency. I think complacency is one of the uh, most common tactics of the enemy to keep us in a trance-like state where we simply uh, go through life, we are born and we die, and what's in between really creates no difference here on this earth. See, he knows that God loves us and he knows that he has a purpose for us. And really, the enemy's plan and tactic is to keep us from that perfect plan, from, from uh, shielding us from our true identity and the greatness to which we were born into. And as has been said many times by many people, that we've been actually born into a war. We're actually here on this planet to make a difference and to, to gain territory for his kingdom. And that shouldn't scare us, that shouldn't paralyze us, it should excite us. Because we are born in such an exciting time, an exciting time in history, where we actually get to play a part in his story. He set it up that way. And we are central to that plan. Fear causes paralysis, and the enemy loves that. I want to share with you a letter that was written to me um, by my big brother, I'm going to try not to get too emotional about this because I carry this letter everywhere I go, actually. It's in my bag and and I always have it next to me and I I revisit it quite often in my life, especially when I'm discouraged or or feel misunderstood. Uh, My brother wrote me this letter. You can, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's a little torn and tattered. Uh, I know for a fact that it's over 20 years old and because it was written to me by my big brother when I graduated from medical school. And it's been very meaningful to me. And I'm going to read you portions of it, but it's entitled To a Radical Future. To a Radical Future. I looked up the word radical. And uh, radical in this context is characterized by a departure from tradition, innovation, or unorthodox. Departure from tradition, innovative, or unorthodox. So let me read this to you. It says, Johnny. You will soon be revisiting a freedom that has been claimed by the constant shuffle of these past years. It is from my pride in you and your success and accomplishment that I also wish to encourage you for a radical future. Not of the world are you. 
your genuineness, drive your purity, goodness, and a true heart. These are indeed the very things that the world will try to claim. It is reasonable, though sobering, to see this particular battle now as a start rather than coming to an end. I sent, In a sense, your past struggles and years of effort have also offered you some protection, bringing your true calling to, cure, to clear view. It is a rival itself that can bring the vulnerability to let down your guard. I cannot overstate that others will measure you according to your efforts, success, and the materials of the earth. Your abilities put you on this ride. Manage them well. Do not snuggle in. Even those who you trust will use such filters as as a comfort to define your worth. They will assume your compliance. Teach them from your heart and run away when necessary. A life dedicated to generosity can be compromised by one willful dose of greed. Do not follow, lead out. Do not accept, stand up. You are set apart. In the same way you are faithful, also be strong. This has really been, whoa, I have to get my emotions back under control. It's a very meaningful letter. I'm not sure I've ever read it out loud like that. It's been, it's been a driving force in my life. Um, and I've heard this said many times, and I think I've shared this on a previous podcast, to live a life that requires an explanation. That's what radical means, a departure from tradition, where people look at you and say, what is going on? See, I created this podcast because I love culture. I love America. I love this country in which I was born into. And I feel so strongly about it. So strongly that, that I, I want to ring the bell and I want to, to compel and to exhort you, my listener, to push back when things need to push back. If you're, if you're uncomfortable with the direction our culture is headed, then maybe it's time to push back. That's the tagline of this podcast, because we are the culture setters. We are the one that needs to rise up and be active. My brother wrote this so well that it actually has has been a driving force in my life um, with the one line, don't snuggle in. My wife and I have actually been talking about this a lot lately because we've been talking really about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. And we decided that really the difference is is living with an open hand. When we're rich, we clench our fists and we hold on to what we have. When we're wealthy, it's actually a kingdom principle. We, we are in, in, endowed with the inheritance of a father, but it's his. And we live with an open hand because it's, it's all about the outflow. He gives us to whom much is given, much is required. And those who are wealthy live with an open hand. And that's the way I want to position my life. I get frustrated as, as I look and listen to those, even in the kingdom of God and, and, and those of us who are living our lives. And I feel like so many people have been lulled to sleep, have been disengaged. 
you know, this COVID crisis has been such an interesting sociologic experiment, hasn't it? Because we've had to, in a lot of ways, withdraw into our own homes. And, and, and if I could be so bold, it's actually exposed our sort of robotic way of life. It's taken us out of the routine, out of the buzz and the hum of normal life. And the result for a lot of people, unfortunately, has been boredom. And we need to rise up and not snuggle in. We can't find those comfortable places where we just skip through life and then we're on our deathbed and we look back and we say, what have we done? What have we done for his kingdom? There's a buzzword right now for those who are starting ministries or businesses um, or even just direction in life and life coaches. It's the why of life. What is the why? What is the why? What is the why of life? What is the why of your business? What is the why of ministry? What is the why of your home? Why are you doing what you are doing? My son, who has been very connected with a lot of that, one day just asked me straight up, you are doing GoFam Ministries. What is the why? And my answer to him was, I feel like we need to grab people and, and excuse the expression, sort of slap them in the face to wake them up about family. Like family is so important. And as I continue to talk about this, my, my volume rose and, and, and I was animated and I was saying we need to understand why family is here on this earth and people need to rise up and wake up to the importance of it so so that they understand why they're here on this earth and placed into families and I became more and more animated I saw this little smirk on my son's face because he knew that I could I could iterate the why like what drives me what is my passion what gets me up in the morning what is your why What is your why? Why are you here on this earth? They say the the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you discover why. I really believe that. We had studied in one of our community health committees. I'm on the community health uh, committee at our hospital the way that our hospital can reach out to our community. And we talked about something called blue zones. There's something called blue zones. I don't have time to go into any great detail, but they've actually studied um, societies and communities that have the longest um, life expectancy on the earth, the healthiest people, um, both physically and mentally. And they study those areas and find out, try to find out what they have in common. What, what, is the, what is the secret sauce to living well? And one of the main ingredients they found, and by the way, in the United States, there was only one spot, one small little community, I think, outside of Loma Linda, California or something that actually qualified as a blue zone. What, what is the, what was the, what was the one thing? What was the one driving force? And the answer was a reason to get up in the morning. See, even retirement is very much of a Western uh, mentality where we make enough money where we can retire from our job and we sort of drift into obscurity. That's not what we're called to be or called to do. I don't think retirement is found anywhere in the Bible. No, he actually draws us from glory to glory, from purpose to purpose. He always has a plan for us as long as we have breath here on this earth. We are to be doing his bidding and doing his will. 
The blue zones actually confirm that, that the, the people who have a drive, that get up in the morning with something that's theirs to carry is what keeps them young, keeps them active. What is your why? What gets you to rise up and to discover your purpose? What about prior dreams, the things that you have dreamed over in the past that have been pushed aside? Sometimes I like to call it the dust of life, just the dust of life that, that, that covers you and, and, and blinds you and, and per- paralyzes you from the very thing that you were created to do. Do you have dreams? I just pray right now, even as I'm speaking, that the Holy Spirit would bring some of these things back to your remembrances, the things that that drive you, the things that you are passionate about, because he placed them there and he placed you here to do the things that he has called you to do. Revelation 3, 15, 16 says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He wants us driving for him. He wants us uh, on the edge of our seat for him, waiting for the next thing that he has for us. Let me share one parable in the Bible that I think many of you are familiar with in Matthew 25. Let me just read it for you. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away, and he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also went, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, talents in this story is talking about money, but I believe that we can take the literal word talent and talk about our abilities, our gifts, of the things that have been afforded to us here on this earth. The story tells us a couple things. First of all, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we all operate in favor. We all have talents. We all have gifts and purposes that the Father has given us. It also tells us that favor isn't always equal. And depending on our phases in life and the maturity level and our abilities to carry what he, what he gives us, he gives to us unequally based on that because he's a loving father. 
and he would never give us more than what we can handle or carry or steward. So it isn't always equal, but it's always present. And whatever he has given us, too much has been given, much is required. And he requires us, even if it's little, to be faithful over the little, because the, the, the reward and the reaping of that will be even more. And those that do nothing, those that, that are, what is the word they used? Wicked and slothful. <laughs> the ones who are not standing up, the ones who are skipping through life, the ones who have been given something, but because of fear have become paralyzed and have done nothing. Even to what they've been given, it will be taken away. This is a kingdom principle. Does that seem harsh? Um, no, not really, because, because we have a purpose and a reason here on this earth. And the Lord is doling out resources uh, because he wants us to steward them well and to use them and to rise up. We've been born into a war and we need to advance his kingdom. This podcast is a, is a battle cry that we snap out of it. We realize who we are. We realize the power and the authority of family and relationships and the words that we speak and the ambassadorial authority that we've been given here on this earth. I remember I dated a girl in high school. And yes, I will talk in the future about healthy dating relationships. (laughs) It's on my list. (laughs) I dated a girl in high school and I remember talking to her about God not necessarily knowing where she stood on the whole subject. And I remember her answer to me was, you know, I've never really thought about it. And I, I thought at the time, like, that's the lamest answer I have ever heard. Of course you have thought about it. You just don't really want to talk about it. But as I got to know people more, as I got to engage people more, as I got to engage her a little bit more, I realized that, no, I think she really just didn't think about it. There's a trance-like manipulation that the enemy gives us in our society, and it's the most sinister. Yes, there is evil, there is overt evil on this planet. But I think the, the most sinister, the, most, the biggest problem that we face in the kingdom is complacency where we just don't really think about it. The enemy loves complacency. He loves us to be ineffective and impotent, where we have, we have no purpose or draw, um, that we just simply skip through life. Well, if that's you, or if that's what you also see in our society, then the answer is, do not snuggle in. My brother had it right. And, I, and, and to my dying day, I will not snuggle in. I will not be comfortable in just where I'm at. It doesn't mean I can't be satisfied in who I am. That's an identity issue. But but the calling and the purposes of my life, I want to live life on the edge of the seat. I want to live life that requires an explanation. And I will not snuggle in. It's the battle cry that's been given to me through a family covenant and through a life-changing letter that my brother wrote to me concerned about me that that a physician in this world with material wealth and and position could simply snuggle in and become ineffective i refuse to let that be me so how do we not snuggle in how well the answer is what moves you what moves you what are the things that drive you Last week, I talked about abortion. I think this is the biggest cultural issue that we have on the planet today. 
If, if that stirred you, if you haven't listened to that podcast, please listen to it. Let it stir you. Get, let it give you language to talk about other people with so that we can be uh, the, the tip of the spear, the ones who are in the center of the conversation so that maybe we can change somebody's mind. Maybe we can change a, a politician's viewpoint. Maybe we can change legislation. Maybe we can protect the unborn. It can drive us. A cause can drive us. We've, we've seen racial tension. Well, I would encourage you to continue to go back to my Brown Initiative or The Answer is Black and White. Listen to these podcasts. Get language for it. Stay in the middle of the conversation. I think, I think the, the worst thing that we can do about our, our racial conversation is nothing. That's the frustration right now culturally is that we simply, it simply drifts away. It gets out of our consciousness until something else bad happens. And then it's like, it's like the cork becomes unpopped and, there, and there's these problems and riots. We need to continue with the conversation. If this drives you, if this, if this conversation moves you and stirs you, then, then be center. Get up in the morning and do something about it. What makes you sad? What breaks your heart? It's possible that you are moved by compassion. There's been story after story in the Bible that says that Jesus was moved by compassion. I love that phrase. Put it on a sticky note and slap it on your mirror in the morning so that when you get up in the morning, you are moved by compassion for the people that we love here on this planet. Let me give you a super simple way to start getting up and activating and not snuggling in. Vote. In about three months, we're going to have the ability to vote. The current statistics say that only 48% of evangelical Christians vote. Part of that might be, well, my vote doesn't matter or I'm not in a swing state. Um, let me tell you, every vote matters because politicians crunch the numbers um, in, in, in detailed in, de in, a, in a detailed manner. And so there's been so many times where even like President Trump in this last election won the Electoral College but lost the popular vote. Well, politicians pay attention to this. And so you, if you think Donald Trump is going to win again, let's have him also win the popular vote because that actually sends a message to politicians that the things that he stands for actually matters and the American people are standing up for and being heard. It's about being heard. And so you can cast a vote as a Republican in California, and you may say, well, this vote is meaningless. It isn't meaningless because, because there is a, is a data point connected to it that people are actually paying close attention to. I'm going to talk a lot more about voting as we get closer to the election and the importance of being heard. This is, about, this is called pushback. This is about culture. And one of the strongest ways that we can influence culture in a democracy, in the beautiful country of America in which we live, is to vote. What moves you? You know what? Please hear me on this. It's okay to not know what your calling and purpose is in, the li in life, but you will not get an answer unless you ask. You need to ask the Father in your times of prayer and quiet times. Ask him, what moves you? What, what do you have me to do, Lord? And I promise you that he will answer that. And, and sometimes he answers it by just what makes your heart beat faster, the things that stir you, 
the things that 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 gets your volume raised <laughs> it becomes animated like my answer to GoFam Ministries you become animated because it's a passion in you that needs to get out and and people will see it on your face they'll see the resolve in your spirit Maybe you say, well, my calling right now in the season of my life is to be a parent. Well, then parent wholeheartedly. Do it with your whole heart. I, I'm sickened, if I can be honest. I'm sickened by, by parents saying, boy, you know, you raise these kids and in a blink of an eye, they're gone. Well, that's a cop-out. Let's not let it be a blink of an eye. Let's let it be saturated with purposefulness and, and intentionality in every day that we raise our children. So that they see our passion and the things that move us become a generational inheritance for them. It requires us to snap out of it so that we don't drift through the 18 years of their life. They graduate and they're gone and we go, wow, what happened? No, we need to rise up. We need to advance the kingdom. We were born into, the, into a war. 2 Timothy 4.7, it's a famous saying by Paul himself. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. That implies that it's a race. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we have work to do. It also implies that it's a war. It's a battle that needs to be fought. Until the day he died, he said, I fought the good fight. That's our call. That's, that's, that's what every pastor wants for his flock. That's what every parent wants for their children. That's what every CEO and boss wants for their employees. A driving passion and force for the mission for which you were created. Whoa, thanks for hearing me. I, I, I got a little fired up today because this is so important. And I so appreciate you leaning into this. And I would love to hear your feedback. Remember, you can like and subscribe on Facebook and follow us uh, on our podcasting uh, apps wherever you find your podcasts. And please visit gofam.org. Um, there's some exciting announcements coming up for some of the products that we will be releasing shortly. And maybe I'll have time to talk about that next week. Thank you so much for your time and attention. And now let's go together to set and shape the culture. Yeah.